Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Enterprise Bank member FDIC. And I, I think this is the first time all three of us have been together for a little while, so I'm kind of excited about it. I think it's been, I don't think we've been together in June, all three of us, Maddie. You know, I think it's perfect that we're all back here. We're, we're redeeming ourselves. We're redeeming our live shows from not having all three of us. The same night that Travis Kelsey's redeeming himself on the mound, Craig. Uh, so you ready to break that down, buddy? Uh, yeah, we can absolutely. As a matter of fact, now this feels weird, guys. I'm, I'm going to dip. Uh, it, it's just not right with all three of us on this thing. No, I'm so glad to see both of your beautiful faces on my screen at once here. And yes, Travis Kelsey definitely redeemed himself, although his plant leg slid on the mound. And I'm glad I'm not. Our guy Joshua Briscoe also made it a point to uh, say that he kind of, you know, gasped a little bit when the plant foot slid. I, I old habits die hard. I, I just can't get over the the idea that something bad might happen to our beloved Chiefs, even though this group of guys is a two time world champion right now. Two time. There's three. There's three championships within the organization. This some would point out. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I I wonder if Kelsey could just stay on the mound and give the Royals five innings. Just just eat them up. You know, just I, go out there, just fill up the zone. You I'm know. sorry, everybody. I opened up to this. We didn't really need to talk Royals. We didn't need to talk baseball. And I opened the floodgates. I apologize. I take responsibility for leading us down this dark path. Well, I'm going to take I'm us sorry. down another dark path. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button and take a sip if you are so inclined. Uh, oh, by the way, Craig, I really like your background. It is. It does look. It just looks absolutely fantastic. I am. I am very much enjoying the new digs. Hey, thanks, buddy. I'm enjoying the new digs too. There's mountains right out the window. It's great. Yeah, you don't have to rub it in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. It does. It looks fantastic. Uh, it. I like the backlighting and all that stuff too. But uh, we got a we got a big day today. Uh, obviously mini camps are happening. You saw the photo, sh- the photo shoot starting today. Um, you know, there's going to be, you know, some, you know, kind of similar to OTAs. You're going to see some highlights. You're going to see some stuff there, but I think there's some stuff worth discussing here a little bit about, you know, um, you know, OTAs, what to expect, 
who's in, who's out. Like th- these are all things worth paying attention to. And I think the big story off the top is Chris Jones. Um, there's no deal yet in place for Chris Jones. I don't think that's all too surprising. Uh, it's only June. Uh, it's only early June. Um, but whether or not he shows up, I think is going to be, you know, just a, a, it's a mile marker. I think, I think Minicamp's a mile marker when it comes to, you know, the Chris Jones discussion. And, and real quick, before we get into it too much, the reason that it's a, it's kind of a mile marker is OTAs are optional. You're not required to be there. I think there's probably a little wink, wink, nod, nod. We want you there kind of stuff. Uh, I think Andy Reid would obviously prefer his team to be there, but you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. Mandatory mini camp. It's mandatory. It's in the title. <laughs> mandatory mini camp. There are fines that can be occurred if players are not uh, showing up for these. And so with Chris Jones and his contract in question, um, it's worth looking to see if Chris Jones even shows up, Matthew. Yeah, it's definitely a big moment in contract negotiations once you get to this kind of part of the offseason program. And certain players in certain moments use this as leverage to say, hey, I'm not showing up until you pay me. Other players just kind of show up and still say, I'm here willing to work. Chris Jones is at the point to where, like, I I don't know if I particularly care one way or the other, right? Like, he's really good. Being there isn't going to tell me that he's more dedicated or not more dedicated. Skipping it isn't going to tell me that he wants to be on the Chiefs or doesn't want to be on the Chiefs. Um, I get why it's something worth discussing, and I fully understand. Like, it is a big marker for the offseason. It's just, I don't think, I just don't think it matters much for him and his situation. No, it definitely doesn't. Um, Chris Jones skipped mandatory minicamp on in 2019 as well. Like this is not the first time that this sort of thing has happened. Yes, he does get fined. Basically, it's it's three days worth of work here that he gets fined for. The total this year is going to be ninety eight thousand seven hundred and fifty three dollars in total if he misses all three practices. For Chris, that's not. Uh, you know, that's not something that's going to prevent him. It didn't prevent him last time, and he hadn't made anything but his rookie deal last time. He certainly banked a little bit more money here. And, I mean, he's got a big payday coming up here. He's got a big, you know, contract this year in his base salary. He's going to get paid again. I'm not worried about it. However, I am curious to see if he does go ahead and show up. I mean, I know that, we don't Chris himself has not necessarily said one way or another, Hey, I'm coming to camp. Hey, I'm not coming to camp. All we've heard for most of the off season is sign my guy, Frank Clark. And that didn't happen. He went ahead and he signed with Denver. Then we got a little bit of a, you know, an Instagram video where he said, you know, the clock's ticking essentially indicated that. Does that mean that the clock's ticking towards the beginning of the season? Does that mean the clock's ticking, you know, time to get a contract done? It remains to be seen, but I'm with Maddie here. Chris Jones not being at minicamp, the only thing that that means potentially is that he might be a little bit disgruntled with this organization for not getting something done. It's not going to affect his play on the field if he misses these three days. He will be in training camp 100%. He will be there. But this does maybe indicate a little bit of a, eh, I'm not super happy with the organization right now, even though he's got a big base salary this year. Yeah, I don't think it's a concern at all with 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 Chris Jones on field performance because he misses three days of mini camp. 
the thing that I'm most fascinated with when it comes to this is the tenor of the conversation around whether or not Chris Jones shows up. If Chris Jones shows up, it's good faith. It's, hey, things are progressing well. We feel good about where this is headed. Uh, you know, it's just, I think it's a positive indicator that something will be getting done sooner rather than later. Let's say that. If he's there, I think, yeah, this thing is getting done. If it's not getting done, I don't think it's a red flag at the end of the world, but I think it'll be interesting to see the tenor surrounding it because this is, like I said, it's a mile marker. It's a storyline. It's a conversation that's going to happen if he doesn't show up. And, you know, the tenor, you know, we're going to get to hear from some angles in the in reports around the NFL about how things are going with the Chris Jones negotiations. If Chris Jones is indeed not there, we're going to hear, Hey, uh, Chris Jones, isn't going to be attending this mini camp as the team and him are in D or in negotiations about a new rework deal an extension to keep him in Kansas city beyond this season. But what I'm more interested in is the sentence after that. It's, you know, that the team really hasn't spent, they really haven't had a lot of conversations yet. Or is it, you know, they're, they're deep into discussion you know, or is it, you know, that Chris Jones is waiting out the market. He's waiting to see some of these other defensive tackles get paid. I'm curious to see the angles that are presented more than I am necessarily. Uh, I'm not, there's nothing that's red flaggy to me. I don't think it's more, I'm just very interested in the tenor and the reports that come out. If he does do that and what those reports can tell us about the process and the negotiations. For me, I, I'm more curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. It's something you said. If he shows up, you guys think that means that he's close to signing? You don't think he's just going to show up because he's supposed to show up? Like, you don't think that they can be not close, still completely negotiating, and he still just shows up just because he's now the leader of the room, he's taken on this responsibility, yada, 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 going forward? Like, do you think it actually means something if he shows up? Um. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good faith thing. I really do think so. Even if it is just from the standpoint of, listen, I know I got one year left. I'm going to be playing this year. Why not help out the young guys? Why not be that that leader voice in the locker room? I think that Chris Jones is definitely not this guy, but I think that earlier in his career, there were some that kind of viewed him as maybe a little more immature maybe a guy that wasn't necessarily a locker room leader. They brought in a lot of locker room leaders over the top of him or had other guys that were entrenched there when he was drafted. This year, they very clearly are making it a point to say, hey, listen, you are the leader on that defensive line. We're not going out. We're not getting another guy. Please show up and be that leader. So I think that if he does show up, Matty, to your point, I, I do think that it means something from the perspective of, you know, his maturity, his ability to say, hey, listen, I'm ready to be this guy. I am here. Even if you're far apart on negotiations, him showing up and saying, I'm willing to take this on and be this guy like I was last year. We got to see it last year for certain, you know, especially on the sidelines there. Being that guy, I think, means a lot to this organization. And it also maybe kind of smooths over any little bumps in the negotiations that may still be there. Yeah, no, if he's there, it's, I think it's, wonderful signs about everything across the board. I think I, I'm, I'm anticipating he's not going to be there just per, and this is just, I mean, this is just, this is guess if he's there, that mean, then I think Chiefs fans should be absolutely thrilled. I think that's a very, very positive indicator on where these negotiations are heading. Cause like we know that there is 
some desire to get this done with, get a deal done with him. There are, there is a desire for Chris Jones side that wants a new deal. Like that, this isn't new. Like this is a discussion point that's been happening all off season. A lot of the way the cap looks currently and the limited avenues to be able to create flexibility just to have some buffer for this, for the, for the season. I mean, there's really not too many avenues outside of a Chris Jones extension, really, to it, realistic ones. It's a Travis Kelsey restructure of some kind, or it's a Chris Jones extension. Like those are the two logical ways that they can really create a little bit of cap space to finish signing their rookie class to um, have that little buffer that they prefer uh, in you know in their in their um, you know in their in season. Um, so yeah, if I will be very happy to see Chris Jones, cause I think that means that he's something's getting done sooner rather than later. I think that's a, a, a very positive indicator for how the process is going for this. You, you look like you want to okay. jump in both. Yeah. Of you. You I both also, I want to eager. This, this question from Sophia here about how does Mahomes Ooh. feel? Let's say if they don't resign Chris Jones after Mahomes takes a rather large discount overall on his contract. The Chiefs are unable to spend the big money to keep Tyreek Hill. If they're unable to, or unwilling, unable, whatever it is, to spend the big money to keep Chris Jones, or Chris Jones isn't willing to take a little bit of a pay cut like, say, Mahomes was, do you think, what do you think that kind of plays out as in, in the locker room? Do you think Mahomes gets frustrated maybe with Jones if he's not willing to take less money? Do you think he gets frustrated with the team if they're unable to keep the other stars around? How do we think that dynamic plays out if the Chiefs aren't going to go up to Aaron Donald-esque money for Jones and it sounds like other teams will or that's what he wants? I mean... I look at it this way, as long as he's still getting to hoist around that Lombardi and walk around with it, he's not going to care too terribly much. I think that when we see, like we, I, I'm guilty of it as well. Worrying about locker room dynamics, worrying about stuff like that. That stuff does matter, but it matters more when you're not as good and you're not living up to expectations and you're not achieving the goals that you want to achieve. As long as this team is a couple plays away from winning Super Bowls, from being in Super Bowls, just consistently in the AFC Championship game, being amongst the elite, it's hard to get too picky, even as a player there within the organization. Now, that being said, yes, I can see that there. Let's say the season doesn't go as good as they hope here. You know, they, they're on the outside looking in, in the playoffs. They're obviously in the playoffs, but they don't get to go as far as they want to. Yeah, maybe some of those conversations come up again. And yeah, maybe when Mahomes is talking about the new reworked deal, he looks at it and he says, hey, listen, remember when I cut you guys some slack here and I allowed all this movement of this money and all of this, and then we let Tyreek Hill walk and, or not walk, but we let him go in a trade because we weren't willing to pay. We let Chris Jones go because we weren't willing to pay. We let Orlando Brown Jr. go because we weren't willing to pay. Those conversations will happen. If that is the case. Now, that being said, we do have a third kind of viewpoint here from Frank Clark coming off of all of this stuff. There's some comments. Oh, we'll, I guess we'll we get, get into those. that. Yes, we'll get to we'll those get in those. a minute, but Craig. Yes. yes. Sorry. I'm trying to jump. <laughs> Jumping. I one quick, I want to close this out real quick. And we'll get to some of the Frank comments and some of the stuff. Yeah. But we kind of have the blueprint for how things have went with some of these big ticket negotiations and Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs were very upfront with the with with you know Patrick Mahomes about the Tyreek Hill situation they had the conversations they they were very transparent they were very open with him about the expectations and where things were standing 
Patrick, you know, he was fine with, you know, the move for, you know, moving on, understood the, the, the issues with all that stuff. And, 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 you know, Hey, look, they messed around and won the Super Bowl. So there's a blueprint for how this team has handled that. Um, can you do it again though? Can you, how many times can you go to that? Well, how many times can you continue? Like, obviously they won the Super Bowl. How many times can you continue to do that kind of business? Like, yes, you're being transparent with them, but you're going to continue to not pay guys. Now, obviously there's two sides of that story because there's the Chris side that's going to want to get paid. So there's that. Right. Uh, but also like, so like, I think that's worth paying attention to, but I think one thing is interesting. You heard Patrick Mahomes earlier talk about, you know, his contract and not worrying about it too much and wanting to get paid or wanting to get guys around him taking care of like Chris Jones and a few other guys we're going to talk about right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Craig, did you know that Frank Clark went on a podcast with Josina Anderson? I did not know this. What? Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes, he did. Uh, And we will talk about that right after we tell you really quick about the KCSN golf tournament. Uh, it is going to be hitting July 29th. We are very, very excited for the second edition of the uh, Tacos and Bourbon Golf Tournament. You heard that right. Tacos and Bourbon on July 29th at Sunflower Hills Golf Course in Bonner Springs, Kansas. That's where it was last year. There will be drinks and food provided thanks to our sponsors, Holiday Distillery and Mission Taco, along with prizes, giveaways, a silent auction, and more. Plus, one golfer will have a chance to sink a shot for a million dollars. For more information or to sign up, click on the link in the description of this show. For any sponsorship inquiries, you can also reach out to our guy, Christian Gumminger, at kcsnfoundation at gmail.com. It is going to be so much fun. We cannot wait for the second annual edition of this. Make sure you get your teams signed up early. Uh, just make sure uh, you, you get that spot. I believe it's $500 a team. Ask anybody who went last year. They will tell you how great of a time that they had doing this uh, this last year. Uh, so we cannot wait. I cannot wait. I missed last year. If you remember, I got COVID. Uh, bad things happened. Uh, and I missed it, but I'm very excited 
to Maddie and uh, I just drove the golf cart or the uh, beer cart around the entire time. And that definitely was a very tame time the entire time. Nothing bad. Very calm. There are some rumors. There are some rumors swirling around that I might be on that golf cart this year. Yeah. Sources have indicated that I could be, uh, I could be on that golf cart this year. Anyways, Craig, uh, I cut you off from getting too far into the Chris, the, the Frank Clark conversations with Justine Anderson, because I, I, there's some interesting comments. I know you had some, some interesting, some, some comments that you heard from him uh, in that podcast that you thought were quite interesting. So I'll, I'll, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just kind of start with some of these. Obviously, Frank Clark comes out and all this. There's no hard feelings in any of this. As a matter of fact, he says, you know, like he was due like $25 million. You know, told his agent, you know, you do the talking. He basically just gave him the scoop from the team. And the team said, we are trying to get something done with a few other guys on the team. Frank said, I'm with you. I understand fully if it comes and Beach essentially says, if it comes around a free agency and we can work something out later on, let's stay in contact and we can work something out. And that was basically the gist of the conversation. Frank never got an offer. They never made a formal offer there. And the way that Frank is viewing it, he knows that the offer would have been low. And so rather than insult him with an offer, they decided they just wait in the process, see how it all works. But the key of all of that is we are trying to get something done with a few other guys on the team. That was super interesting in all of this, because if I look back at the entire way that this offseason has formulated and the things that they have tried to do with this team on the team specifically, there's nobody that they've taken care of right now mm-hmm. on the team. They they let Orlando Brown Jr. walk with essentially without a contract. And if there was a contract, it was super low. That one may have been insulting. We don't, we don't know what it was. We just know that they were not offering a, a quote-unquote market value contract. The NFL wasn't. In that I think regard. Orlando might have been insulted by the contract he actually yeah. signed with the Bengals before pre- before the season. Have, you know, I'm just going to say that. because Point know. being, they weren't <laughs> trying to take care of Orlando Brown Jr. That definitely wasn't the case. That leaves really two guys that they can come to the table with already and make these moves, and it's Chris Jones and it's Legereus Need. I mean, those are the two guys that you're looking at and well, the two uh, two guys that make sense there. So Frank's telling you that there's I, contracts coming I, here, Ken. Oh, let me, before, Maddie, before Maddie gets in, like I want to tie no. it back to what I said before this before the break. So we talked about the Tyreek Hill situation. Patrick Mahomes, very connected. Patrick Mahomes is part of the conversations. They're very transparent with Patrick Mahomes. When he got asked about his contract situation, he singled out three guys, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. Legereus Sneed, Chris Jones. I mean, I feel like those are the guys that you might see some things done for. Like, I feel like that's the, those, that's the list of guys that they're prioritizing. I, Maddie, you jump in, but I, I have some more thoughts on that, but I'll let, I'll let you jump in here. Um, I mean, I think Legereus Steen's one obviously okay, so we talked about Chris Jones already, right? I do think the Chiefs want to get something done. I think Chris wants to get something done. I think we kind of all know where we all stand on that one. Legereus Steen's interesting because 
I really think feel like I can make a case to definitely sign him long-term to extend him to get that locked up. And I think I can make a case that you maybe shouldn't. Um, I think I could honestly see both sides of it because you're going to pay him a whole lot of money. And I think you're going to be, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, you're going to be eking up into the money where you're talking about like legitimate shutdown corners. And I don't know if Snead has proven to be that. His value isn't as, hasn't been as a shutdown corner. It's been as a slot defender that does a lot of stuff really well rather than just shut down number one wide receivers late last year he did showcase that maybe he does have some potential to grow into that but then not being a super young third year player or fourth year player in the nfl i I just get it from both sides of his like i i don't know i think it's interesting that both frank clark and mahomes now have mentioned kind of sneed's name kind of going into a possible extension of the chiefs i think even more interesting is Travis Kelsey. Um, he's clearly still under contract, right? He's not going anywhere. He's going to play all, I think he's going to play all of his games, you know, in the NFL as a chief. Yes. The thing is though, he's still wildly kind of underpaid compared to, you know, just like every other tight end that's going on right now. If they did want to float him some money to push it out even farther, I think he's under contract to 2025 right now. You mm-hmm. could push that out a little farther, save yourself a little bit of money now, give him a little bonus for now. The fact that he is your clear cut number one, not your one a or one B, however you want to slice it with Tyree kill. I actually think there's a little bit of logic and like, you can see the path going to that too. So I want to ask you what's more likely you had to pick one or the other, a Travis Kelsey extension this off season or a luxurious Sneed extension this off season. Oh man, that is so loaded because Travis Kelsey is currently signed through age 36 That's a long time for a tight end to be playing. It really is. This team does not like to hand out big contracts to older players, even if it's the greatest tight end to ever play the game of football. And they already have him for the next three seasons. It's not like we're talking about, okay, Travis Kelsey is going to be 36 next year. He's not showing any signs of really slowing down tremendously. So let's go ahead and lock him up for a couple more years. You don't know what's going to happen with Travis Kelsey over the next three years. And you don't know what he realistically wants to do. He's starting to expand the media mogul stuff. He's starting to get into that. He's doing more TV work. He is doing the podcast. This media stuff is definitely forefront of his mind. He's clearly setting himself up for his post-football career. How many more hits, how much more pain does he want to take, even though these are rings? And even though, again, like I just said before the break, winning cures a lot of that stuff. A bad season or two all of a sudden kind of changes some of that and makes you want to walk away a little bit more, makes you feel like, hey, listen, I've accomplished a lot. I am the greatest tight end to ever play the game. I know it. We all know it. So from that regard, Brett Veach's history and what they have under contract with him right now, I think Legereus Need is the more likely candidate just because I think they'll want that guy in the room with what Spagnolo does in that secondary. I think he is a very key weapon. So I do think if I have to choose between those two, it's just going to be Snead. Do you think they, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be an extension for Travis Kelsey, but maybe a restructure to give him more money up front. And then maybe that makes more sense. Maybe I think that's the thing that makes the more sense is giving him more money. Now. Uh, I think that's what could be the move. They could restructure his contract, create bigger cap hits. Um, They could technically. So here's, here's how I, I don't, if the chiefs, let's just say, 
let's say that they restructured Travis Kelsey's contract in 2023, give them more cash up front. That's their buffer. You know, that'll put them at $8 million in cap space for the remainder, you know, for going into the season, if they were to restructure Travis Kelsey's contract in 2025, that still creates an out for them where it'd be, you know, 2.5, I believe in dead money. Uh, and you know, saving of 17 and a half, 17 million dollars in change. You can redo a deal there, or in you know, you can start redoing deals there to try to, you know, maybe give him a little bit more cash, you know, later in the, in his career and, and do some stuff there. So the the Travis Kelsey restructure is the thing I'm paying attention to more than I am necessarily an extension for him. I don't think they'll do an extension, but I could see them paying him a little bit more cash up front now. And then starting to think about maybe making some moves for his contract later. Well, the Jerry Sneed thing's interesting. There's, I, I'm, I'm curious if he's there at, at mandatory uh, minicamp. I'm gonna anticipate he was there, but I know he missed some OTA stuff. They've, or you know, the, he, he's been working on the side due to some health stuff. I don't think he's got any leverage to try to hold out. So I think he's gonna be there. Um, I, I, I but it's worth noting that it feels like they might be, you know. It's worth paying attention to him as a as a, a, a candidate. The thing with the with the luxurious need, ex, you know, contract though, it doesn't help them with cap space at no. all. It actually could hurt him. I mean, could technically, like, he's due. Like, I'm just I'm looking it up real quick. I mean, he's only due, you know, two point nine million dollars this year. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a low amount. Like you have to sequence that with Chris Jones first. Like you you just yeah. do yeah, clear the cap space. That's yeah. not yeah. a that's not a money yeah, that's not a money clearing move. I mean, they could probably structure it in a way judging by what we've seen in this front office that it doesn't that they don't need to make any money to do it. Um but that's not a cap clearing move. You're not saving any cap space this year by messing with Legarius Needs contract and that's that's why that's an interesting one that I you would think if that one was to happen, there's no reason that couldn't have happened already, I guess, is the other thought of that. Like there's the Chiefs like to do things like this at this time of year, right? They like to wait till June or July. Just structurally, there was not a reason that that, that one has to wait or could wait well, or there's this rush to do it now. Could be cash. Could be cash flow. Oh, they're, if they're doing Chris Jones, they're about to spend a lot of extra cash. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying timing of the NFL calendar, there could be some cash questions about you know i I don't know the account i don't know the books of the chiefs i'm just saying there is i don't unfortunately (laughs) i'd love to i'd love to know (laughs) (laughs) i'd love to know post 2017 versus (laughs) uh we're gonna take a break we'll be back right after this Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Take a sip. Sign up for the golf tournament. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna use. Moving by, by the end of all of this, Kent, like we're gonna be two years down the road here, and the entire podcast is just going to be this segment coming back from a break. We're just gonna do all of the rundown of everything, all the calls to action, and then we're just gonna immediately go to another break. Just gonna keep adding them. <laughs> Donate to Teresa's scholarship. Kent's perfect show. That is Kent's <laughs> perfect show. Just intro to break to break to close. <laughs> Just a tight, a tight 3.5 minutes. We're not even getting 35 anymore. We're going 3.5 minutes. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out. Uh, it's fun to be back with these guys. It's fun to be all together again, reunited, and it feels so good, all that good stuff. Um, obviously, we're talking a little bit about mandatory mini camps here. You know, we're not going to get a ton of information. It's not going to be much different than the OTAs. You might get a few storylines with the Chris Jones and some of the contract stuff. Um, again, it's going to be interesting. Like the thing I keep thinking about and paying attention to is just the receiver group. Like I've just been thinking about that group a lot. I've seen some conversations and looking some stuff up about Darius Tony. Uh, cause someone, there's some comments on, on Twitter today. You, do you realize he only played 20 steps twice in his, in his, in his time in Kansas city? He played over yes. 20 steps twice. <laughs> In Kansas City. And it's, I mean, he's good. Like, the, like the, the thing that brought up is Ian Hart. It's mentioning that, like, basically, like, per route run, he, or he was, like, one of the most efficient and most targeted receivers uh, in the NFL after he With joined. one of Chiefs. the lowest dots. Yeah, that's true. But still, plenty of targets. Um, I'm, like, I'm super excited to watch Kadarius Toney. But like even just like getting through this week healthy, like just you know continuing just, I mean every it's it's Brent like, said it yeah it's a mile marker man it's a mile marker this is the last big time we're gonna get to see this team together before training camp, you know they're gonna get a little time off after this, but like just this is a mile marker towards hey you want to be wide receiver one you want to be our guy we want you to be our guy get you know getting through some of this stuff you know, is going to be important for him. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I continually fascinated by this receiver group. There's a couple other guys I want to talk about again, but Kadarius Tony, I'll start with it. He only, he only broke 20 snaps twice last year. He missed three games almost immediately after becoming a chief, but man, he's, it's so tempting to, it's so tempting to just go on and be excited about seeing him in a chief's uniform and hoping he can get to seven games, even though there's a lot of hope involved, Maddie. I mean, like, I think that there's a gap between like being excited for to watch Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs uniform because we saw last year why you're excited for that. The mm-hmm. high end flashes, the punt returns, some of the yards after the catch stuff, some of the the ability on the on the sluggo to adjust his glove and then go up and make the catch over defensive back. The the flashes are there. There's a reason to be excited that he's in a Chiefs uniform. There's also a huge reason to not think that this guy's going to get 125 targets or something like that in an NFL year because 
He has 77 targets in the NFL. He's missed multiple games every single season. Even when he is healthy, he's a guy that's never really like 100% healthy on game day. He's always been in the NFL so far, always dealing with something, always dealing with a little something. You can track that back to his time at Florida too. So you can be excited for what he can bring to the Chiefs. You can be excited for him to be used in this limited role where he maybe plays 20 snaps and gets some manufactured touches, gets a high usage on those 20 snaps because it's manufactured stuff or it's putting him in position to do the most with them like they did last year. But you also can't, you aren't going to have the expectation that he is going to be a dominant, consistent wide receiver one week in and week out. Because again, he has just never been that guy. He hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field and do that. And he hasn't really shown the ability to be a three-level threat as a wide receiver. This goes back to Florida with the Giants, with the Chiefs, just not there. So I think there's room for both. And I don't think anything in the offseason is going to change my kind of expectations or excitement for him. I'm still going to be excited to see what he does, but I'm still going to have expectations that have a hard cap on them based on his history and what we have seen from him over the last six years playing football. Yep. Spot on with all of that. Like, and that's why the concern about the wide receiver room is a little bit there because you look outside of Kadarius, Tony, you have Marquez Valdez Gantling. Hey, sure. He he's a guy that's there. He's a veteran presence. We'll see how he looks in year two of the Kansas city system. But year one was largely what we saw at green Bay. There's some highlight real moments. There's some vertical ability. There's also some stuff that you look at and you're like, wow, some concentration drops, some inefficiencies and things like that. Not a guy that you're looking at and you're going, okay, clear wide receiver one right there. You got Travis Kelsey. We talked about him already just a little bit ago. He's going to be fine. But then the rest of the wide receiver room is a bunch of unknowns or guys that are hurt often, rookies, players that are, you know, maybe role players from most of their career. Like that's where the question marks lie in all of this. Yes, it's good to be excited about Sky Moore. Yes, it's good to be excited about Rasheed Rice, who we think is going to be at minicamp, even though he doesn't have a contract yet, which is weird because everybody else in the draft class does. But it's good to be excited about all of those guys. And it's also good to temper expectations about what that wide receiver room can be because those guys haven't really shown it on the NFL field yet. Yes, they can. Yes, they can step in. Yes, they can make that progress. But as it stands right now going into minicamp, Kadarius Tony being healthy is arguably the single most important thing of this entire wide receiver room short of signing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who at this point, I think if the Chiefs were that interested in him and thought that they absolutely needed a wide receiver, he'd already be in Kansas City. The fact that he's not, and he's advertising that he's taking all these, you know, all these visits and everything like that. Chiefs are clearly not in on him at the contract that he wants. So yes, Kadarius Tony, his health, his availability this season, and his availability through minicamp is the single most important storyline, I think, on offense, if you ask me. I'm a sicko. And yeah, for various reasons. <laughs> this time, I'm a sicko because I was watching Chiefs Seahawks last night. <laughs> I was watching the All-22 of it. I was watching just... just I like, been there. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was just watching, and Maddie, I think I agree with you. Like, there might have been a little bit of a lack of trust with Sky Moore and his understanding, his knowledge of the playbook, 
Maybe a little Buddy, bit of lack the of trust. Of times that yeah. they have two wide receivers and one of them is Sky Moore on top of each other on critical downs down the stretch in the regular season and in the playoffs is is not a low number. I, I there was this interesting stretch. There was this interesting stretch though that was just kind of interesting to me. It was there's a play. Sky Moore is wide open in the flat, and Mahomes still throws like in double coverage to Kelsey on a little like little hitch route over the ball. Uh, just refuses to throw this. Like, I mean, Sky might have scored. Like, he might have scored. Um, Interesting. The very next play, their little little RPO action. They throw the ball out in a little bubble route to Sky Moore. He goes and makes four guys miss. Great after the catch. Nice little play. It was just this interesting con, like diet, like it's just like like these two like contrasting plays, these contrasting moments where, you know. I, I would I, the, the flat might have been the move with Sky there that play maybe he didn't trust it. the very next play goes back to a bubble RPO or some kind of little RPO play or screenplay or something and Sky does something makes things happen. I mean they clearly they clearly did design stuff to get Sky more involved. So I'm not mm-hmm. I I want to be very clear this wasn't like a hey he has he doesn't know what he's doing or anything like that kind of kind of remark from Kent or I here I just I went back recently and rewatched a lot of third down passing plays and. I, I think I said it when Craig and I were talking last week. I don't want to say it's on any particular person because I don't know the call. I just know there were multiple plays on third downs where two wide receivers kind of ended up on top of each other. And that is not how football route distribution is supposed to work. <laughs> on a couple of them, a receiver noticed it and had to sprint away in something that didn't even resemble a route anymore. And so it's just, and it happened on more than one occasion. So And one of the common denominators was a young rookie wide receiver being involved in a couple of these. Now, I'm not saying he was always at fault. He could have been the one that recognized it, or it could have been a veteran that recognized he was in the wrong spot. It's just, it was happening a fair amount. I do think there was a level of, I don't know if we can trust everybody that's a wide receiver. This goes beyond Sky Moore now. I don't know if we can trust all these wide receivers, one through five, one through six, to be the third read and then be in the right spot at the right time. If they're the first read, sure. Because then if they're not in the right spot, you move on. You can't put Sky Moore on the backside, have him be your third or fourth part of the progression and know you're going to go to him if you don't have that trust, if it hasn't been built up yet. And I don't know if the Chiefs have that in more Tony Justin Watson got there. I mean, that's why Mm -hmm. he played, right? Justin Watson got there. He got that trust. It doesn't mean that he's the third or whatever best wide receiver. He just got to that point. So what we need to see, and I don't think many camp will tell us that, but the Chiefs need to develop that rapport with more than just a guy or two on this wide receiver room right now because I don't know how many guys have it besides Travis Kelsey. I mean, we've seen it in the past. Like, Demarcus Robinson got a lot of snaps for this team. <laughs> a lot of snaps over guys like McCall Hardman that we would look at and be like, yeah, that dude's a better football player. He's got better, you know, traits and everything like that. And Demarcus was the guy. And they targeted him in some crucial moments because he was in the right spot. I don't know that anybody would look at Demarcus Robinson and say, okay, that dude is, you know, uh, you know, this elite football, he's an elite football player. He's in the NFL, but like the, the, the best of the best of the best sorts of wide receivers that, you know, that uh, Patrick Mahomes has ever played with, but playing within the structure of the offense, making sure that your spacing is right, making sure that you understand where you're supposed to be with different leverages from cornerback safeties, things like that matters so much to not just Andy Reid's offense, but every single offense in the NFL. And if there's a guy that's on top of another guy or in somebody else's space, now all of a sudden 
you're not wrong because you're, you know, because you're doing this, you're also making Travis Kelsey wrong. And now all of a sudden the entire structure of the play falls apart and it just matters so much there. So a guy like Kadarius Tony, who clearly does understand some of those things. We've seen some of that. It's not like he's, you know, again, this elite route runner that's going to break somebody off and has this, you know, super diverse route tree, but he does understand spacing. He does understand where to be comparatively to other guys. That's why it's so important because he does have those athletic traits. He does have that ability to be a game breaker and take something to the house that maybe other guys can't. And he doesn't mess up the play. He doesn't create problems for other players when they're running those routes. So again, very important that players like that are healthy and available. I am. I'm just super interesting to see how this receiver shakes out. Fascinating if there's going to be any contact clues worth paying attention to during uh, the mandatory mini camp this week. Maddie, you had one more thing before we get out of here. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's the offensive line. It's always the offensive line, and I don't think we've touched on it yet. Last week there was a picture, a very deliberate picture posted by the Chiefs and the offensive linemen. And it was five starting offensive linemen. Um yeah, not to right in exact order. Left to right in exact order. They weren't lining up for a play. They were not on the field during practice. They clearly stood off to the side and took this picture with Donovan Smith at left tackle and Jawan Taylor at right tackle. Um, all the vast majority of the pictures we have seen coming out of various OTAs were that same alignment or Wanye Morris stepping in at left tackle for Donovan Smith with the first team occasionally. Um, I think Nick Allegretti actually got some first team reps too in place of Joe Tooney, which isn't, I mean, obviously not a replacement that is happening, but it was more of the picture, right? The picture of them not actively during practice, but staging it, standing there and posing for it in this very specific way. Not saying it kind of locks the deal up, but it's getting a little shaky up here on the, the Chiefs offensive starting offensive five isn't set and that they are going to put the best tackle at left tackle uh, stance that some of us on this podcast may have been taking. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, that, that picture came out. And Matty buried the lead there. The most surprising thing there. Yes, Joe Tooney will be your starting left guard. I know that everybody was worried about that. Um, I, no, I, that was the that was the thing that you looked at and you just went, okay, like very clearly coming off the side there, taking your helmets off, grouping up in that organization, <laughs> taking a picture for it to be posted online. That is about as deliberate as you could possibly get with saying, hey, listen, look this, at him. This, this is our starting offensive line right now. Like, yeah, lots of things could change, but guess what, guys? This is it. Like, I'm there's no other way to interpret it other than these are the guys that we're trusting to go in at least to mini camp and camp as the starting offensive lineman. So, yeah, that, Maddie's right. We didn't talk about that last week when it was posted, but very clear indicator that Donovan Smith going to be your left tackle, Juwan Taylor going to be your right tackle. And Wanya Morris maybe getting some exercise at left tackle. So maybe that's a left tackle of the future sort of thing, which makes that pick a little bit better. But uh, it still leaves more questions and answers until we get to see them line up on the field. I don't really have a ton of complaints about the Wanya Morris pick anyway. You got you to gotta plan oh, sure. ahead. Like, I, I like it, whether or not he's starting this year or not. Like, there wasn't even a guarantee he was going to start this year or not. Left tackle move for him is quite interesting. I think... I think they're going to do it. 
I think they're going to do it. I think it's going to be Donovan Smith at left tackle. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. We'll find out. Uh, I mean, it's also worth mentioning. Jawan Taylor has yet again said that he feels comfortable sliding over to left tackle if need be in, in a game. If he needs to play, he it, it was specifically asked, and he you know was like, "Hey, I feel comfortable if I have to play left tackle in a game sliding over." I think even the way he answered that question says, "I am playing right tackle, sliding. but I yeah. <laughs> but I can go do left." So yeah, I mean, I think you're getting the Donovan Smith left tackle, Jawan Taylor right tackle, and like, hey. Hopefully it works, but um, yeah, you know, it's, it's also, I think it's very clear. And this would have been the case either way, right? This would have been the case regardless of the chief starting offensive tackle situation. If you want to sit here in the middle of the summer and point to what might be an Achilles heel of this team, I think having Donovan Smith after his last season of football, I get it. It was marred with injuries, but let's, you know, outside of one season, he wasn't great. You can point to a pretty clear Achilles heel already. And we're as we sit here in June, and if things go badly, it might very well start with the offensive line position, specifically at offensive tackle. And it's not going to be because the, I don't think it's going to be the other four. <laughs> I like the other four. Yeah. I think it's just, there's one, there's one, there's question one mark. question mark there. That's pretty big and it can, it can wreck a game. <laughs> if you're not careful. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I think we've kind of said this before. It, some of this talk could be an indication more of a, a Lucas Niang and a rookie right tackle too. Like just because, you know, we, the tape on Donovan Smith hasn't been good. And we've heard all off season that they were planning on moving Jawan Taylor to left tackle. There just may not be a good enough replacement there to, to warrant moving, you know, maybe you can say whatever you want about Lucas Niang, but, if Juwan Taylor did indeed practice left tackle for part of this offseason and then they decide not to, well, that tells you something about Lucas Niang, at least. They're not giving him a shot there. Uh, they'd rather give it to Donovan Smith, so uh, who was signed after the draft. I mean, there's there's some things worth paying attention to there. It may just simply be that they believe that this, this is going to be their best five. They don't have a ton of confidence in a Wandy Morris. Uh, they don't have a ton of confidence in a Lucas Niang either. So. At least initially in Wanye Morris. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not taking him top 100 and be like, ah, we're <laughs> out. Mind. Haven't even seen him on a, f we haven't even seen him with pads on, but we're out. But we are out. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.